Welcome to episode number eight of the Zach Kuhn Show. My guest today is Robert Deaton, the executive producer behind the CMA Awards, as well as the Billboard Awards. In addition, Robert also produces the CMA Country Christmas Special, as well as the CMA Fest Music Special, which he also created. We talk all about that. In the beginning of his career, Robert produced some of the most iconic music videos of all time for artists like Rascal Flatts, Martina McBride, Big and Rich, Dolly Parton, Wailing Jennings, Brad Paisley, Carrie Underwood. I mean, the list is insane. Today, Robert manages one of the fastest rising acts in Nashville, King Calloway. We talk all about that as well. There is so much to hear. I want to stop talking. Let's just dive into it. Okay, Robert, we are live on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're so welcome. It's good to spend some time with you today. Absolutely. So I was going down a big rabbit hole of your music videos. I mean, the list is insane. It's it's hundreds. I was watching a ton of them. You know, one of the ones that I, I didn't realize that you had worked on is the Justin Bieber, Rascal Flatts one. Uh, uh, that should be me. Do you remember this video? Because this was so early in Justin's career. Did you know he was going to become such a big star? Yeah, oh, no. He was, yes, everybody knew he was going to be a big star. And he was already kind of a big star even then. Um, I remember that day because um, there was there was the big, huge controversy on the shoot that day because he wanted to cut his hair. You know, and his, the hair's was the signature, you know what I'm saying? Remember, right. remember the Justin Bieber hair? And it was like this whole thing going around. He wanted to cut it. Nobody wanted him to cut it. And then he cut it and put it, and then he put it out on, um, you know, on, on socials. And people went berserk and crazy and all that was happening that day. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it was that's that's the one thing that I remember uh, of that of that video shoot. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. And then you know what? I got to work with him. You know, I've, I've worked with him several times since then. Um, you know, for um, for performances on the Billboard Music Awards. So um, yeah, it's always it was always great to work with him. Actually, I've always heard that he's the most professional. Is that is that the case? I've always heard he nails it every time. He's he's just the best. Yeah, no, I mean, you know what? I have heard, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, people that have had issues, and honestly, I've never had any. He's always been great to me, and he's always been awesome. You know, he's always been real polite and, you know, always on time and always always came prepared. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I always, we always got along really good, and hopefully, you know, uh, we'll get to work together again in the future. Um, but you know what? It was funny. One time for dress, the last time I worked with him for dress rehearsals, he was he, he was late, just by a little bit, not much. And we went ahead and you know went ahead with the performance because there was dancers and all this stuff. And he literally got to the stage like a minute and a half late, and I stopped dress which is something that you don't ever do normally. You normally right. don't ever start to dress unless you absolutely have to. And um, and, and so I stopped dress and we we redid the number and, you know, so that he could rehearse it one more time. And, and after the dress rehearsal, he actually came to me and said, man, thanks so much for, for stopping 
dress for me. You know, I, I just appreciate it. And I'm like, man, I, you know what? I want you to be able, first of all, it was no big deal. Secondly, I just wanted you to have another run through of, you know, a rehearsal to make sure that you were comfortable and you had, you know, all the dance steps down and everything was good for you, you know? And, um, yeah. And so, you know, it was incredibly polite and no, it, he's always been a good guy to me. So I, I, I always enjoy working with him. That's awesome. So I was, I'm so excited to talk with you right now because it's such an interesting time for content, for content creation. And you're like the content king. I mean, going back to the 90s, it feels like you did every music video for every country artist, hundreds. And then, of course, you know, the Billboard Awards, the CMA Awards, CMA Fest, you know, everything. So right now, I mean, we're at such a, you know, our resources for content creation are so limited. I love what your band King Calloway is doing, where they're like the Nashville house band. But how are you sort of, how are you thinking about content right now and sort of and taking advantage of the resources that we have for content? Well, I have happened to be in, in a situation where you know, I've had two shows that I've had one show that's canceled, uh, with the CMA Music Festival. Um, because there's no way to you know, the there's no way to do that show any other way than how we do it. Right. Because the the fact of the matter is the CMA festival is not the festival without the fans. I mean, the, I mean, the fan, the people that come in from all over the world and spend their money and drive in and fly in and bust in, however they get here, you know, they're, they are what makes the festival special. Um, it's unlike anything in the world. And so, we knew that we could not replicate that in any way. So so we had to, unfortunately, we had to cancel that show. My other show, Billboard Music Awards, you know, that was already supposed to have happened, um, we postponed it, and we are looking at a different date. Um, and we're not sure when that date is and when we're going to do it. But the, And then, then I have uh, upcoming the uh, CMA Awards and the CMA Christmas Show. And right now what we're doing is, you know, we're coming up with plan B, you know, on, on all the shows. Because um, you have to. Um, you know, we hope that we're going to be able to do the Christmas show just like we have done it in the past. And we're certainly hopeful that we can do um, the CMA Awards in November, just like what we always do. Um, just thinking, you know, you know, our intention is to, you know, everything is, is we're moving forward just like what we always do. But, you know, we're also at the same time smart to be able to, you know, come up with other contingencies. You have to. I think everybody's having to do that. But right now we are full bore, you know, straight ahead. We are we are doing the awards and we're doing the Christmas show just like we all just like we all always have done. Um and then hopefully there'll be some kind of incarnation, um uh, of the Billboard Music Awards, too. Hopefully, we'll get another date, get a, get an arena, and we will, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be just like we are, uh, just you know, several months later. But we're also looking at other ideas. Um, but you know what? For pinpole events, you know, um, you just some of these shows you just can't do in a living room. You know, you can't do it, um, and so. Uh, you know, I feel like some of the things that 
have been really entertaining. It's been like, for example, the the uh, the, the Disney shows that have been on ABC. The last, right. Um, right. And they're uh, and they're getting ready to do another one. I mean, that's been able. That's a great format because it works in a living room. It works with family. You know, when you see Little Big Town doing Spoonful of Sugar and Kimberly baking in her kitchen, it's that's great creative. You know, and, right. and it, the songs work, and you know everybody knows those songs, um, uh, which is a great format. That format works. Um, you know, and the Opry's like been doing. A great job also with it, I feel like. Well, you know what? Honest, 100%. So proud of what the Opry is doing. Um, it's hard to do, you know. It's They've kept it. You know, I think they're doing that those shows with, with 10 people uh, in the Opry house. So uh, what they've been able to do has been unbelievable. And it's so good. If, 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 if people haven't watched it online, or it, it's so so good. The first one with um, with Vince and uh, oh, with his whole family. It, it was incredible. <laughs> oh, it was just so good. Uh, you know, the, the one with Vince and Brad and and Marty was so they've been able to do a, a, a really great job. You know, and as far as um, you know, we're just we're we are wrapping our heads around how do we deliver the creative differently? How do we do things that are different for people? Um, but, you know, hopefully for us, you know, we're, you know, CMA Awards are November. Hopefully that, you know, we will, we can, we can provide everybody a show that's, that is not too different than what we, than what we do. And, um, but, you know, just like everybody else, we're, we're just, we're keeping our ears to the ground because right now nobody knows. I mean, totally. again, I mean, you read the news, nobody knows. I mean, uh, the Predators don't know if they're going to be playing hockey. Uh, you know, UT, we don't know, you know, uh, college football, nobody knows. NFL, nobody knows. So um, what we have to do is, you know, like the NBA, the NBA is putting together three and four different scenarios of of, of how they could possibly resume the season, and they don't know which direction they're going to go. So right now, the idea is just to try to be prepared and try to, you know, try to, you know, it's a lot of work that's never going to come to fruition. Uh, but you, but right now, what you have to do is just go, okay, so this is what we want to do. Uh, this is plan B. This is plan C. You know, and you just have to keep 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 going. In regards to King Calloway, um, uh, the band, you know, we looked at the space going, um, you know, that was interesting how all that, the house band series was created, the King Calloway house band. Right. Because what happened was, um, you know, the, the guys really do come from the, the call, they're cut from, now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're as good as Keith Urban, okay, because there's not anybody as good as Keith Urban and Vince Gill and those guys. But but they are cut from the same cloth, those guys are. They are, you know, you don't become that proficient in your instrument if you don't love music and you, and you don't love musicians. And they do. 
Um, and they love whenever they get to sit in with people. You know, the second time they ever were on the Opry, uh, you know, they asked Ricky Jacks to be a part of their set. They did Seven Bridges Road. They are literally cut of the same cloth as Vince and Ricky and Keith Urban in that they want to play with other people and and they and of all genres. And what happened was we did a um, – the, the guys did a uh, – their current single is No Matter What. You know, they're right now they're in three different countries. They're in, they're in Gibraltar, Jordan's in Gibraltar, Simon's in uh, – I'm sorry, no, Jordan's in Scotland, Simon is in Gibraltar, um, Chad's in Nashville – no, oh, Chad's in L.A., Chris is in Nashville, um, Caleb's in Ohio. God, there's so many. Can't keep it straight. <laughs> I know, and Austin is in Florida. So there's six of them. So they're in all different, they're in different places. So they did a, the current single is No Matter What, and they did a, you know, in-your-living-room type performance um, that, honestly, it was stellar. I mean, and they are stellar. I mean, their their musicians is stellar, and how they put it out. Um, and literally, we got a call from Jimmy Allen, or I didn't. You know, we didn't. I'll just say that what happened was Jimmy Allen called Chris, uh, and was like, "Man, that thing you did for no matter what is awesome on your socials." Um, and uh, and just the sound and how you did it. And, how do you do this when you're in three different countries, you know? And so Chris kind of explained to him their process and how they went about – it takes about a week to do and wow. uh, how they went about doing it. And and, um, and so Jimmy was like, hey, let's do one together. And they, were, and they loved Jimmy to death. And so they're like, yeah, so they did Hooked on a Feeling. And then we put Hooked, up on, a, Hooked on a Feeling out, and it got – a lot of hits on socials and a lot of people reposting it and, um, you know, like iHeart reposted it and, you know, they um, put it, there's a Country Weekly, you know, said something about it. It's just started, you know, so we started thinking about going back to who they want to be and who, you know, and how they want to be, how they want to play with all different kinds of artists and from all genres. And so we came up with this platform called King Calloway's um, House Band Series. And it is, and it's, you know what, it's it's about connecting with other artists and connecting to the fans and playing music that people remember and um, people let people love and, you know, Right now, if you look at, like, for example, there's been all these articles on, like, on Wall Street Journal and what's what people, the, all this, you know, streaming services, you know, they're up because um, people are finding that those, that you know, what they call, you know, the comfort music, which is what they're calling it, comfort music. Something right. that you love, that you grew up, kind of like the soundtracks of your life, you know, kind of thing. And so... We thought, well, let's just have some fun with it, and let's re let's redo some of these great songs and have fun with it, and and uh, invite artists to participate and play music together. And um, so the second one we did was with uh, "Waiting on the World to Change" with Blanco and Jimmy Allen, Lindsey L. 
The third one was uh, Lindsey Sterling, the great EDM violinist who's just in, insanely creative, and Sarah Evans doing Come On, Come on Eileen. Um, and then um, we reached across the pond uh, with the Shires doing Miley Cyrus and The Climb. Um, and then this past week we had uh, 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 Kay, uh, Kaylee Hammock, uh, doing um, Fleetwood Mac, right? They were doing Rion, yeah, I think. Fleetwood Mac, yeah, yeah, which was stunning. And each one gets a little bit better because I think each one they start figuring out how to record it better in their living room and how it sounds better. And so it's just really, um, you know, that whole series is really kind of taken off for the guys, um, and it's really been able to, you know, because they're a brand, they're a new act. I would still consider them, a, you know, a new act. And um, this, you know, this. This summer was, you know, we were, uh, King Calloway was scheduled to open for Rascal Flats on their farewell tour, and they were going to do all these uh, festivals, and people were going to really get to see um, what musicians they are and how great they are live. And then all of a sudden, uh, over a period of a month, all of that was gone. And so this series has been able to, um, really showcase the guys where people on a on a big um in a big space are able to see wow these these this king calloway they are really great players so it's it's worked really really good and it's also been able to connect them to some of their heroes and artists that they love to play with and i think you know watching them do i feel like when this first happened everyone sort of didn't know what to do Everything was very point and shoot. It was like, let's just put up an iPhone, go live. And now people are starting to figure it out. And it's really cool to see what they're doing because it feels like they're really being creative with it and, you know, taking it to another place. Well, I appreciate that. And I know that they will, too. And I'm going to pass that along to them. I do feel like that um, this situation of being of having to play like this is, um, you know, you use the old term, it's, um, separates the men from the boys <laughs> or, sure. you know, in that, because, you know, for example, you know, take an artist like Keith Urban and you go, wow, it's just, you, you, when you strip it down, he's still great. You know, he's still great, you know, and it's like, and it's just him on guitar and it's just, you know, pretty, it's just pretty amazing. You know, and I saw a thing, um, I think it was Ashley McBride, where it was like, you go, wow, what, just guitar and vocal, what a great vocalist she is, you know, and it's just like, you know, so I think for it, 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 it separates the people sometimes, you know, where it's like, you know, this is not optimum, but you know what, the, the, the cream does rise to the top because... You know, it's like I said, you know, three people on stage with Vince Gill and Marty Stewart and Brad Paisley. And it's, like, amazing. Or just look at what Brad Paisley's doing on his socials. You know, it's like, wow. It's just – so it's able to showcase, I think, the the musicians, which I think is really – it's really nice because that's what makes great music are great musicians. Absolutely. Okay, let's go back for a minute. So – you're from yeah. North Carolina originally. In the 90s, I mentioned it earlier, you were really like the driving force of music video creation. 
But to the best of my knowledge, like you really didn't go to college to study film. Like, how did you how did you land in that position? How did you get to that place? Yeah. So you know what? Um, uh, what happened was, and before I get into that, I want to make sure I give uh, under, people understand that I give a shout out to my dearest friend and brother George Flanagan. George and I were uh, business partners, and we had a company called Deep Flanagan Productions, and um, we did uh, three, four hundred music videos together. Um, so, you know, I always wanted to be in entertainment. You know, I always wanted to be in the in some. You know, I loved television, photography, audio. You know, growing up in high school, I had a band. You know, that we play clubs, and then I did plays and musicals, and, you know, I just loved show business. I just always wanted to put on a show, you know. I, the medium was, I didn't care what the medium was. It was like whether I was playing trumpet in an orchestra, um, you know, or in a play or doing photography, whatever it was that was creative. And um, so I, I, the day after graduation, high school graduation, I packed my bag, packed my car, and I drove to Nashville. And um, I thought in the beginning I was going to be an audio engineer. Um, and then in the way of through audio engineering, uh, getting into uh, producing, producing records. And, because um, you know, I studied music my whole life. I played in, uh, played, my instrument was trumpet, and I played in orchestras in and around my hometown of Bedville, North Carolina, and, um, uh, and so. Now, you I were thought, geographically closest to Nashville. Is is that the reason Nashville. you chose Nashville, or did you always think Nashville versus, well, I know, no, LA, well, New York? My, well, no, my father was in a, uh, my father was at a te- television station in Wilmington, North Carolina, WECT TV6, and he had several shows on the air, but one was a Friday night um, country music show. So all the artists, all the Grand Ole Opry stars of the day used to come to his show. And so I met, you know, all those Opry stars of the day, uh, you know, and would come and and uh, I was a part of the show as well because he had a, he had it was very much Grand Ole Opry like, but uh, from originating from Wilmington, North Carolina, they had some square dancers and all that, and I was one of the square dancers. I was six years old, and you know every week we were doing this show, and um, so, and then my dad had some, um, you know, and boo, he, he was in Nashville for a while and playing and. You know, he had a an act that you know traveled the country with his band and, and had a few singles out. Never really any success single wise, but he did write uh, a, a hit record for Jack Green and Jeannie Seeley. And so Nashville was always a part of you know country music and was always a part of my DNA growing up. So here comes graduation. I think I want to be a, a, an audio engineer. And then through audio engineering, get into uh, record producing. So I moved to Nashville for a specific reason. Uh, it, was, uh, it was because um, there was a guy uh, at the time, a guy named Johnny Rosen, and he had a company called Fanta Sound. 
and uh, he no longer has that company, and he, he works out at Cumberland Heights. And he was at the time, he the, uh, at the time he was teaching as a, a professor at Vanderbilt University, and you could take those classes uh, with, without actually having to quote unquote enroll at Vanderbilt. So, in on the back of all my albums, all my live albums, Rolling Stones records. I mean, just every single live album that you could possibly ever have. Uh, it was always recorded by Johnny Rosen for Fanta Sound. So I'm like, if I want to be a sound engineer, that's that's where I need to that's go. That's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy, and I can go study from him. So I went. So I came and enrolled on all those classes, and I remember. And so Johnny would also do remotes, like. Still, he was still working in the business, and Johnny would always take two students um, with him as part of, you know, to get gain experience and all that, all that kind of stuff. So I remember um, there was it's like the fifth week I was there, and Johnny's like, "Okay, I got another, you know, I got a gig uh, this Thursday. Uh, I take two students." And I'm going to change something here, but uh, and so he, Johnny was just honest as the day is long, and he said, and he goes, here's the thing, I'm going to make a, it's going to be a slight difference. Robert Deaton is going to take one slot for the rest of the slots, and he goes because he's actually going to be in this business. <laughs> That's exactly what, what he's. What do you think he saw in you? You know what? I think he just saw how eager I was. You know, I, I just, I ate it up. You know, I loved every minute. I, I just wanted, I just, I've never wanted to do anything else but be in, um, to be in, 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 in entertainment. You know, I, I, I just wanted to entertain people and I just loved every aspect of it. And so, so I started going on all the remotes for, you know, and then, you know, after about, I don't know, a year, uh, I was doing that for a while, and then I started getting some, uh, I, because I studied still photography as well, I started getting some calls to be camera, a cameraman on some local productions, just running camera, shooting bands, um, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, and, and, uh, and, it's, and, and I, so at one at some point in time, I had to make a decision. At the beginning, you got to cut the side, watch the direction, you know, and what do I have to do, and to be successful. And um, so I decided, you know what? I decided, you know, I think I'm going to go down the television route. Not never forgetting though that I wanted to someday get back into the music side. Um, and it took me longer to kind of get back into the music side than I thought, but but I thought, you know, I'm gonna if I can be successful on the TV side, then one day I want to open back up this other creative side of, that I love, which is music and audio and all that. So I started getting hired, you know, started getting doing more and more freelance as a cameraman, 
then started getting some directorial. Uh, people started hiring me to direct. These were just small, little, you know, shooting bands, just doing whatever. Sometimes you get paid, you know, pizza. You know, it's like right. We don't have any money, but we'll, but you, but we'll, you know, after the gig, we'll, we'll we'll all order pizza. It's like I didn't care. It was like I just wanted to do it. It was like plus I love the camaraderie of the crews and and um, you know just just I just loved every bit of it. I didn't care. I've been so if I made a hundred bucks, then great. If I didn't, then that's okay too. I just felt like that. The more I did that, you know. I just wasn't thinking about how much money I was going to make at the time. I was just wanting to work. And um, so after a while, uh, so then I got uh, a job offer at WKRN Channel 2, and uh, I took that job, and I worked in marketing and promotion. And that was great because it just gave me a – I was able to shoot more and able to craft these promos and shoot them and – and, and I was able to, um, you know, come up with the concepts. And around the second year that I was at Channel 2, um, that's when I met George Flanagan. And I met him on a freelance shoot. He uh, was shooting some kind of band. I don't remember who it was. I do remember, I think the guy had a snake, though, uh, the performer. I, I do remember that. Uh and I remember, you know, there's a button on your camera where you can see the return, which is the program. Return is like the program. So you can see the program. Sure. And then you can, and then you let the button go to see what you're shooting. And I, and I was, you know, you, I was all, I, you always toggle back and forth to see. And I kept watching. Every time I toggle back to it, I'd see George's shot. I'd be like, yeah, that's, he knows what he's doing. And, it, and, it, and I'm competitive. So that, so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be the best. And so right. it just up my game. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to shoot that? Okay, this is what I'm shooting. Okay, this is what you didn't see. And then I'd toggle back, and he'd have another great shot. I'm like, oh, okay, this, okay. And then so I, so that was the first day that we met. And, uh, and then after a couple of months, uh, I got asked to do a – a documentary in Israel on a Christian artist by the name of Sandy Patty, who was at the time the biggest Christian artist in the industry. And uh, and I asked George to come be on the crew. And then I started, and then at the same time, I started being asked to do some music videos in the, in the Christian world. And, um, and so, uh, George and I started doing those together, and out of that we decided to start a company. Um, and it was a, it was a minute before we could before we could before we got a country thing. We did a bunch of stuff in the Christian world, which was great because it was we were able to learn the craft, and um, we did stuff for like DeGarmo and Key, DC Talk, a, a lot of the contemporary Christian, um, which were big acts, they ended up being big acts. Um, the Christian world, um, and we were, but we knew we were trying to get into country. And, now, um, what was – I mean, you just said you were trying to get into the into country. What was – did you have sort of a big dream? Did you know 
that the you know producer of the CMA awards was a thing that you could shoot for, or were you just yeah. trying to you know create as much videos with as, as many artists as possible? No, we had CMA awards wasn't even in the um, wasn't even in the in view was not even in view. Now I always loved the CMA awards, and I remember watching it as a kid. You know, and, and I would watch it every year and root for Kenny Rogers or who you know. You know, whoever was up, you know, I root for certain acts. I remember when I was hoping the Gambler won so badly that year, you know, and so I always watched it. But no, so we uh, we wanted to break. We definitely wanted to break into the country music uh, because it was the beginning of the business, and I felt like you know when you get in the in the ground floor, getting in the, on the ground floor of a of a business uh, is a good idea, you know. And um, and so it took a minute, and uh, I remember. Um, so really, the here's what the catalyst was. Uh, Eddie DeGarmo, uh, he was one half of DeGarmo and Key, a big, huge, successful uh, Christian duo. They uh, he did a, a solo project, and on that record was a song called "Feels Good to Be Forgiven," which is a very bluesy kind of country blues kind of song. And so I called their manager and said, you know, let's do let's do a video on this song because I felt like that the song could possibly get on CMT. And, you know, CMT was at the very beginning of CMT. I think they, they were still in Hendersonville. It was very small, but I thought, you know, this could get on CMT. And and uh, which would be good for us, for George and I. And um, so we did the video. I think it was a $4,000 budget, and uh, I think we came in at $5,000. I actually lost $1,000 on it. Wow. Um, wow. You know, we got time, but, you know, but everybody got paid. And, uh, so it was interesting because not only did all the gospel stations pick it up, but so did uh, BET Entertainment, and so did CMT. And uh, there was a guy at, at, at the time, it was Columbia and Epic, a guy named James Carlson, who was head of the video department, and he called a guy named Jeff Walker, who started Aristo Media, and said, I just saw a video on there uh, on CMT by uh, DeGar- uh, Eddie DeGarmo. And... Um, he said, uh, Jeff Walker goes, James, that's the two guys I've been telling you about for the last three months. They are Nashville's best kept secret. And he goes, well, he goes, give me their number. And Jeff Walker, who passed away a couple of years, three years ago maybe, something like four years ago, could be longer, he was so good to us, always trying to promote George and I. He had a company, and they promoted singles. They promoted videos. And he was just our torchbearer. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here talking to you today without Jeff Walker. And uh, and so Jeff was like, that's the guy. That's who I'm telling you. So Jeff called. Uh, I answered the phone. And he goes, I saw your uh, – James called. Uh, uh, James said, "I saw your the video, and I'd love to talk to you about doing a video for us." 
And I'm like, absolutely. This was, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, this was the, this was the break. You know, this was the, right. you know, this is the break. This is it. This is it. A major label, Columbia Records, Epic Records. Are you? This is me? the pinnacle. This is the pinnacle. When the check comes in, it'll have Columbia Records on the check. I mean, come on. You can't and even so, cash that. That's like that's for the wall. No, exactly. Because I'm the guy. I'm the kid that saved every 45. And my dad, was, at the beginning of his career, was at, was a DJ. And he'd bring records home. And I would look at those records forever, those 45 of, of DECA and MCA and ABC DOT and, you know, RCA with the dog. I mean, I would look at those, and, and it was just, to me, they were, it was magic. And so this is the call. And I said, well, when? And he goes, how about right now? And I'm like, we are, we're coming over right now. And, and and I remember getting in the car and driving to the, you know, to Auburn 16th Avenue and, and uh, just, and it was just the day. It was the day. And he goes, I love your work and blah, blah, blah. I want to hire you for, um, I want to, you can do it for this amount. I think it was $30,000. I mean, it was a big budget to us, you know, at the time. Uh, but, and it was uh, Shelby Lynn. It was uh, Shelby Lynn was the first country artist that we ever worked with, and that was what started our uh, and and Carl uh, James Carlson is another one. Um, just was was uh, huge to impact in our career. He he worked with us. It was about it was probably about a year and a half, two years before we worked with another label. Um, so about a year and for a year and a half, everything that we did was with with James and Sony. Money was Sony at the time. It was Epic in Columbia, and uh, and then about a year and a half later, uh, Mary Hamilton, uh, who was over at uh, RCA, uh, hired us to do um, uh, a couple of videos over at RCA. And then once we got that, then we were off to the races, and, and then we started working. We started working with everybody. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and hope you're enjoying the show. Some of you may know that I run an industry newsletter called The Nashville Briefing. Really takes you to the front row of everything happening in our industry. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to nashvillebriefing.com to subscribe. Also, if you're enjoying this show and specifically this episode, please feel free to give us a five-star review on your podcast listening platform. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. So you're, I mean, you're working with so many people, many of which are rising up at the moment, but you also, I mean, you worked with Dolly in the 90s. She was still a massive star. You're working with everyone. Are you, are you ever getting starstruck? And, and you would go on to work with, you know, the biggest celebrities, not just in country music, but in music, period. Do you ever get starstruck around these people? Yeah, well, I won't tell not no, not anymore, but then... Um, you know what? It's a when you're when you're someone who grew up idolizing all these people in country music, and you knew I, I was the kid that knew every player on every record, and I can still tell you who played on what record or who was in Elvis's band. You know, but there are few moments where you go like I remember the first time I'm at my desk and I get a uh, my uh, assistant. Says, 
Dolly Parton is on the line for you. <laughs> and that and that was the first call, you know, and it was like literally I was my hands were shaking to pick up the phone. You know, just literally shaking. Or, you know, when Chad Atkins um called you. So you know, I, I remember another time when I was Wait, like, did Chet ever call you? Chet wait, wait, our, I, I have here the story. I mean, what what happened? Well, Chet was our neighbor across the street. Uh, and, you know, we were on we were on um, we were on 17th, and he was our neighbor across the street. But we had also done a couple of music videos for him. Uh, so we did uh, there was like um, we did the Claw, uh, Jerry Reed, Jerry Reed, yeah, Jerry Reed, Chet Atkins together. I mean. They, they they redid the claw with with Chet on it and uh, so we did that music video and like you know driving into the shoot that day knowing that you shoot Jerry Reed and Chet Atkins was just you know and I can tell you that even right now I get emotional just even thinking about it just thinking about me as like this kid that was going in but but the good thing for me that I that I that I, I was never lost on the moment. You know, I was always very grateful, you know, and I was always, I understood that I was going in to shoot Jerry Reed and Chet Atkins when it was that, or if I was going in to work with Waylon. Um, you know, Waylon became a very good and close friend of ours, you know, um, and so just to get a call from Waylon to go, what are you doing? Nothing What's happening. He goes, come down here. I want you to play some music. And, you know, he was down the street from our office, so we get in the, you know, we walk down and go hang with him for a couple of hours. I don't remember if you know the Honky Talk Angels. Remember that? The Honky Talk Angels was Loretta, Tammy. Right. Tammy and Dolly. And we did, we did the music video. This is a funny story. So in that, uh, in that, the, the song, it was Silver Threads and Golden Needles. And the whole concept was all these big, huge, are trying to, uh, they're bringing gifts and presents uh, to their dressing room, trying to get in, but the only, but they keep slamming the door to, on all these artists until Chet gets there, and they, and they welcome Chet with open arms. It's really cute, funny, and everybody was in it. I mean, we're talking uh, um, Carl Perkins, uh, you know, it was just like this, group of like like it's basically the Hall of Fame. So we're shooting at Tennessee Performing Arts Center and all of a sudden there's uh the fire alarm goes off. Well the security comes down to where we're shooting and go, Hey, we have to evacuate to outside the building. I'm like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? I mean <laughs> no He's like, no, you have to evacuate. Everybody's got to go stand on the sidewalk. I said, will you look around here for a second? I've got the Hall of – basically, the Hall of Fame sit, you know, here. Uh, this is like the correspondence dinner. Like, if, if that building blows up, it's all of country. <laughs> it, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy to think of all the art. Ricky Skaggs, for example. I mean, it was like – Loretta, Tammy, Dolly, Chet Atkins, um, you know, Ronnie Millsap. Uh, it was just, it was, and so we 
That's what we did. We went outside, and everybody, you, you, we, I said, I told the security guard, I said, there's going to be an accident because people are not watching where they're going. You've got to let us back into the building. I mean, it was hilarious, all these people standing out there. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was surreal. I mean, it was like, you look back on it, and I've been so blessed, you know, to be able to work with heroes. Uh, you know, I mean, and I'll tell you a regret that I had. I, you know, Waylon called uh, George and I when uh, they were cutting the second Highwaymen album. And uh, Don Waz was producing, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, we're, you know, got a couple of video shoots coming up. And he's like, hey, get, Come down here and hang, why don't you come down and hang with us? You know, for uh, while we record this record, come out and hang for a week. It's it's Willie, Willie and I and John and and Chris are all here and and uh, you know all the outlaws. They really kind of now, now. I have to tell you, at the time we didn't know Willie. Uh, I didn't know. Um, no, we knew Willie very well. I didn't know um, Cash that well. Sure. And, uh, all the outlaws, I mean, we did all the outlaw stuff, and so they were friends of ours, and they were like, come in with us, and, and, and we didn't go, because we were working, and it was like, you know, always, you know, you kind of, that was the one regret, because I thought, you know, there'll be another day on that, and, they, and then wow. just won. But I will tell you, my greatest compliment uh, was, you know, you know, we won CMA Awards for, uh, Independence Day, we won for Believe with Brooks and Dunn, and we were nominated for uh, at least over 10 times um, uh, throughout the career. The greatest compliment was when Waylon passed away, I got a call about a week later, maybe two weeks. It was within two weeks for sure. And it was Shooter, Waylon's son. Right. And, and Waylon, and uh, Shooter goes, hey, Robert, we're doing a uh, we're doing a memorial service. Dad and and uh, mom, Jesse, mom wanted to know uh, if we'd like to do a you know a video tribute to dad, and uh, mom wanted to know if you would do it, and uh, if you and George would do it, and I was like, oh, of course, you know, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, Shooter said, "Well, we're glad that you will do it." The mom said, "If you would, if you couldn't do it, then then, then we just weren't going to do a video tribute because what wow would have only approved of you doing it." Wow. And so to this day, that's the greatest compliment that uh, you know that we, we ever had. And this, you know what? Honestly, too, it's it's, it's always been the the big connection. Between us and Hank Jr., you know, we did we did Monday Night Football uh, opens for seven years with Hank. Uh, but what dropped, what drew us close together with Hank was Hank knew that Waylon loved George and I, and so that's why whenever Hank did a video or music video or Monday Night Football or whatever it was, we were the we were the call. We were we were the only call. Uh, in fact, the label told Hank one time, said, we're, "Well, we're getting, uh, we're going to get some treatments in from from production companies for your next video for you to look at." 
And he's like, well, that's fine. You can do that all you want, but I'm just going to tell you right now, Deacon Flanagan's doing the video. So you can waste your time or you can not. So, <laughs> there are so, the guys. <laughs> we're the guys. We were the guys. And, you know, it's funny, too, because, you know, it's like those outlaw-type artists, you know, because we did a whole run with uh, the Music Mafia. Everything Gretchen Wilson did, everything Big and Rich did, you know, we did that whole run, too. So I mean, the Save um, the Horse, Ride a Cowboy video, I mean, it, it, it's iconic. It's, it's the best. Yeah, it's pretty iconic. It was. Of course, in the, everybody reminds us on that video that uh, we were in the news the next week because we damaged the uh, we damaged the pedestrian bridge. So that's all right. You know what? It's an iconic video. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we. You know what? It's um, that was a great uh, that part of the career. Um, that was great. I mean, we were flying everywhere. We were working. And we were somewhere. I mean, we were in our early twenties, uh, and we were we were blowing and going. I mean, we were doing you know twenty clips a year. Uh, we were doing Monday Night Football. Uh, we were doing you know clip music videos for everybody for for the legends like Dolly. Wayland, and were they Billy. were they? I mean, the budgets were obviously big because this is the you know the peak of country music. By the time the video shot and the budgets over. Was this a lucrative business to be in at the time, at the end of the day, once yeah, everything no, was done? That's, and that's the difference. That's that's the difference. It was a business you could be in, and it was lucrative. Uh, you know, we were, by the time we were, you know, at, at, the, at, the, at the highest part, we were getting three to $500,000 per video. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, and so... Um, you know, and then even in, even even then, you know, you still, you know, getting even the low ones were 150, 200 grand, um, and so uh, back then it was you could there was a there was several of us there was a handful of us uh, that, that that's how we made our living, and um, and then when all, and then it's it's all I would say you know it's almost impossible to do as a as a director. To just solely make a uh, make a living just doing music videos anymore because there's just you know the budgets are too low and there's too many people doing it. Um, there's so many you know there's so many you can't spread it out over 30 to 50 directors and think that you're going to make a living. Uh, and so um, it was definitely the golden age, you know for sure. Um, and it was fun, and but you know you kind of, but you got to have you got to evolve. I mean that was the thing that we've always tried to I've always tried to do. You tried to evolve, and if you don't evolve, you stand still. It's going to be over. Right. So so you end up, and I'm I'm hoping this is next in the timeline. You, which I didn't realize, actually created the CMA Fest special. So, like, did you sneak into Nissan with cameras? Like, like, how did you piece that together and, and see that opportunity? So that was another – that was a situation where um, finally, after the third try, I finally got on the CMA board. And um, I'm going to – I have to – you know, one thing that's going to be a through line, that you, you can tell through this conversation, is um, – Nobody ever gets anywhere without help, and I don't care who you are. You can 
you got to have people that are your champions. And um, uh, I get a call from Kitty Moon. Kitty Moon is a great, great woman in this industry who was so influential to every single thing. If you're living in Nashville, if you live in Nashville, you have been affected by Kitty Moon uh, because she was so involved in the city and the planning and and uh, and she owned a production company called Scene Three at the time. She called me and she said, uh, "Hey, I'm going to nominate you for the board." And I'm like, "Kitty, I've been nominated twice and it hadn't happened." She's like, "I promise you, this time you're going to be on the board." And I'm like, "Okay, we'll try it." Well, I got on the board, and uh, and so after I got on the board. I got put on the TV committee, and then after a while of being on the TV committee, they made me the chairman of the TV committee. So, you know, but when I got on the board, I started looking around. You know, it's like everybody, Joe Galani, Tim Dubois. You know, it was it was it was it was the who's who of the best and brightest in Nashville was on that board, and I basically looked around and going, all right, well. What, how do I contribute to this? What? And then so I thought, like, well, I'll, I'll contribute with what? what's my area of expertise. And so I thought, well, I'll contribute by trying to get the CMA Music Festival as a television show. That's going to be my contribution. And I, so what I did was um, that year, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, at one point, the festival almost went away. You know, there was a there was a time right near the tail of it of it being at the fairgrounds where people were wondering, is this is this going to continue? And then I remember it, we were at a board meeting in um, at a board meeting in, in in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and there was a going to be a vote about whether we were going to continue with the festival. And uh, you know what? It was not sure whether that how that vote was gonna was gonna was gonna come out, uh, but we but we voted it to continue with the festival but move it and start and move it to the uh, to the stadium. And so we did that. We did a name change and from Fanfare to CMA Music Fest. And it, I believe it was the second year that we were at the festival. Uh, I went down and shot the festival myself, just me, by myself, handheld camera, and I put together... A, Wait, literally you, yeah. like not your team, just like it, it, was, it was just you. <laughs> just me, nobody else, just me. I went down with a camera, and I shot for four days, and I, out of that four days, I took, uh, I put together, a, about a, and I found that reel... I think I found it, but it was missing for a while, But which probably should be in the Country Music Hall of Fame. But I, um, I shot like a four-minute, five-minute sizzle piece of what the festival is. Because you can't describe what the festival is. You, you, can't, it's hard. you can't write it, what the festival is. So I put together that five-minute piece, and I... Uh, myself, Ed Benson, 
and Joel Katz went to CBS, and we met with Les Moonves, and I showed him the clip, and he bought the special. And the first year we were on CBS, people don't remember this, first year we were on CBS, I think we got like 16 million viewers that first year, which was insane. Uh, wish we had those numbers now. Uh, Were you surprised that you said yes, or did you think it was in the bag? Well, I had pitched other shows before and never sold anything, and then it was like we all got in the elevator after we met with Les for about 45 minutes and was like, wow, that was easy. (laughs) It was like, I don't know if I knew it was in the bag or not, but I knew it was good. Um, And so... um, we first year was on CBS. The second year, even though we got great numbers, I think we finished like I don't know where we finished, but it was one of the top shows of the week. Uh, CBS didn't want to do the show again, not because of the rating, but because it was like I can put a rerun of whatever one of their procedurals and get the same rating. I don't have to pay anything for it. Well, well you can't necessarily deny the business part of that, um, but we were like, wow, it did really well, and and so as soon as they said they were going to do it, ABC immediately, almost immediately said that they wanted it, and that's what got ABC and the country music business, and then eventually ABC got the awards. Uh, so that was all, yeah, who knows where we would be today and how that history would have changed had I not gone down and shot for four days at the CMA Music Festival. Okay, so how do you get the call to produce the CMA Awards? Now it kind of seems like everything's building up to it, but but how do you actually get that call? Well, it was interesting because because I had put together the idea and the creative and the concept of the festival and shot it did not necessarily mean that I was going to produce that show. So what happened was, because I was still the chairman of the TV committee, so um, we got into a room, or we got into, um, you know, TV committee had a, a meeting, and again, um, it was all, of, you know, the big wigs of the industry at the time. And I remember this to this day, because I was going, um, you know, they wanted me to go out to L.A. and interview some producers and directors. Um, and, you know, which was fine, which was great, which is what, what, that's what the plan was. The plan was I was going to go out, interview some producers and directors to attach them to, um, to do the show. Uh, and so I did. I went out to L.A. And, and wait, and I'm I, sorry. So this is. I'm sorry, so this is, is this the award show or is this the festival? Uh, I'm sorry, this is the festival. The festival, the okay, festival. got it. Yeah, because it's not, it was not a given that I would produce it. That was not, because uh, I had all these, I had done music videos up until that point. Right. I had never done a network, a network television show. So I went out to L.A. and who we were trying to get to produce the show passed on it and he's a legend and I love him dearly uh, and he's still producing to this day he's a great producer but 
the one thing I did get out of it is that I met a director that I really wanted to do the show. And it was a very outside-the-box idea. Because it was a guy named Gary Halverson. And Gary, at the time, was the number one, at least in the top three, of sitcom directors. He directed Friends and Everybody Loves Raymond and Two and a Half Men. And he was one of the best of the best. But his, his, how he started was in music. He directed, uh, oh, just a lot of different music programs. And he had done, he had, he had decided that he wanted to get back into music. And the, uh, one of the, one of the shows that he produced uh, or directed was a, was one of the Faith Hill specials that I really loved, and I thought it was great. So I called Gary Borman, Keith's manager, and he said, Gary, it's Gary Halverson, he's brilliant, you should meet with him when you're in L.A., blah, blah, blah. So I met with him in L.A., and I'm like going, this is the guy. This is the guy, because I can tell he loves music. I found out later he, he, was, he, was a, uh, he studied at Juilliard. He was originally going to be a pianist, realized that he – was not in the top one percent, so he did, you know. So he, he ended up at, at PBS directing Sesame Street and doing some music projects, and, and so today he is now like the premier uh, uh, television director uh, for opera and classical music. He, he does all the Fathom events for um, for the Metropolitan Opera. So I came back to the TV committee. I think I found a director, but the producer we want <coughs> wanted, uh, he's passed on it. And uh, so Larry Fitzgerald, who manages Vince Gill to this day, and he, he, at the time he was managing Brad Paisley, a bunch of different artists, he raised his hand and he said, I got a problem with, with I got a problem. And everybody's like, whoa, wait, what? You know, because he's serious about this. And uh, he goes, I just got a problem with this whole thing. I, he goes, you know what? I just don't think it's fair. I don't think what, we, what we're doing is fair. And he goes, I don't think it's fair to Robert that he has, um, it's just been his idea, his baby, um, and it has been, he went and shot the, the, he went and shot the sizzle and went and pitched the less movement and sold the show. Uh, and um, I think that he ought to be able to produce it. Wow, and and so the committee, and they asked. So the guys on the committee said, "Do you?" And, and, and Connie Bradley was on the committee and said, "Do you want to do it?" And I'm like, "I would love to do it. I'd love to produce this show." And so they excused me for the room for about twenty minutes, and then asked me to come back in and said, "You're the producer of the show," and that's how I got my first. Uh, producing. That's how I was able to start my producing career of big network television. Uh, wow. And, yeah. And Did so, you feel the pressure or, or were you pretty confident that you'd be able to pull it off? I did not feel the pressure. No, I thought the, I, knowing, you know what, here's the thing. If I knew then what I know now, knowing that we greenlit we green the show and had to be up and ready in less than a month, uh, yeah, I would have been like freaking out. 
But I didn't know that. Man, you know what? Stupidity is good sometimes. I say, and I say that in all sincerity. Stupidity for young people is really good because you don't know what you can't do. Right. You know? And so you do it and you get it done. And um, so that was a good thing. So then fast forward a couple of years. So now, um, you know, the, 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 the CMA Awards is on ABC. I had been up to that point the chairman of the TV committee. They, uh, the CMA decided to move me out of the chairmanship of the TV committee, and they put me on as a producer working under Walter for the CMA Awards, which was great. It was awesome. And uh, I loved – so my, my job was really kind of putting together – uh, the creative for the bands, for the artists, you know, coming, you know, working with Walter, um, regard, you know, what each song would look like, perform like, you know, in interacting with the artists, which was great because I knew all the artists. I'd already worked with them on music videos, right. so they were already they were already comfortable with me. And so, you know what? Honestly, it was great, and it was a great gig, and uh, I loved doing it. And I loved working with Walter, and um, and then. Um, uh, and then after a, a couple of years of doing that, you know, Walter decided that he wanted to step down. I mean, he'd been doing it for 35 years, you know, and uh, but he didn't want to completely just walk away. So they they uh, they brought me in. So they, I had to go to L.A. That was a that was a moment. I had to go to L.A. to a board meeting. I wasn't on the board anymore, but they asked me to come out. CMA did. And they, after one of the meetings, they asked me, they said, hey, we need you to come in this room for a minute. We need to talk to you. So I go into the room, and there's, like, the head of ABC, Walter, uh, and they're all sitting there looking at me. You know, you know how you walk in the room and you can feel like there's something going on in the, on in the room? And I'm like, right. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting fired. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, oh, my God, this seems, like, really – and so – they explained to what you know what they wanted to do was that they wanted me to move into um, executive producer role uh, for the awards with uh, Walter staying on as my mentor and to help guide me and and be my someone that I could lean on and you know Walter is the best television producer of all time you know I mean and he and I had such a great relationship we'd already been working together. Uh, I'd already been the chairman of the TV committee for like, I don't know, six, seven years. So we already had a great working relationship. And um, and so he did that with me for like, uh, I don't know, four years, five years, something like that, which was great. Because I had the wisdom of, you know, sometimes when I would get all crazy and upset, want to go, well, just forget it, you know, <laughs> you know, being young, stupid and and uh, Walter would be like, okay, I think you need to think about this before you make that call. You know, right. <laughs> you know don't make that call today. Why don't you sleep on that? Just little things like that. Just, you know, um, Walter was, um, you know, Walter, like one year, for example, I was so upset because, really upset because we just ran, it was the 50th. That's what it was, the 50th. And we just ran off the tracks with time. I mean, I think it was, 
until my wife said it. She was like, after that open that you, that you put together. Oh, you know, it was iconic. It was it was incredible, that opening. Thank you. Thank you. She goes, you know what? It was, people were just there to enjoy themselves. They they <laughs> were so in the spirit. Because it was like, you know, people, it was taking people full 60 seconds to get on stage after they won the award. And they're hugging everybody, and and I'm like going. I mean, we are we are off the rails because I was so far over in time. I mean, I think we ended up going at least 15 minutes over. And uh, I mean, I got a call from the network going, if you're not if you're not over, you know, by I think it was like 10:30. If you're not, we're we're cutting out of you. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, and, and, and you know what? We had already been we got, we went into the show with their permission, going like twelve minutes over, which was fine because it was you know the fiftieth and but but uh, but and I was so upset after the show and everybody wanted to revel in the you know of the night and I just and uh, and someone came to me and said you're so you're over it's okay but I was so upset because Walter had taught me the right, Walter taught me how to be a producer. And it's a badge of honor to not go over. Like a lot of people don't think of it that way anymore. But Walter taught me how to do this job. And and you're showing a side of professionalism to end on time. You know? Looking back, how would you have approached that differently? Well, I think probably I would have gone in going, hey, we just need to make it three, uh, three and a half hours because there's nothing to cut. I mean, you, right. it, 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 you know, I mean, it was, uh, you know what, I think, I think honestly, too, what I think what I would have done was um, looking back, I think that I think we would have done every single, every single performance would have been about the 50th. You know, whereas what we tried to do was was interlace the show with the 50th, but still have certain artists do their current songs and things like that. I think that if we would have done it all over again, that maybe we, what we should have done was just from beginning to end, it's all about, you know, the history and the 50th and, and, and all of that. Uh, but I think when you're trying to do 50 years in three hours, I think we've just gone, you know what, it's going to be a three-and-a-half-hour show. You know, making a three and a half hour show because it wasn't like anybody was ready to go home. Right. I mean, they weren't. I mean, they just weren't. You know. And remember, we were up against the highest rated baseball game of all time. It was the Cubs World Series, and you guys only lost like three ratings points. Or I mean, it was it was insane. It was crazy that we all that. I mean, I just felt like nobody's going to watch the show. You know, but. you know, there's been three. I mean, there's been a bunch of things on the CMA Awards that, for me, have been moments that I'm just proud to just even be a part of. And that was um, that was definite. That open was. I mean, I will tell you, that was. So we are we're live. And by the way, we never got through the open completely in dress rehearsal. I mean, no, not one time, not in rehearsal. Never did we get through the entire the entire medley. The only time we got through it the entire way without stopping was the one time, and that was live. 
So, and now, I, now talking about pressure on that one, I did feel pressure because you got to remember, you got a six. You go back and you think about the six-year-old, the six-year-old that's on his dad's show in Wilmington, North Carolina, and these are my heroes, and he, and I got to meet them all when I was six years old, and I got to be around them, and I got to, you know, like even people that people won't even remember that are members of the Grand Ole Opry. I remember Ray Pillow opening up his guitar case in a high school one time because they were in North Carolina because they were doing the show from this high school, and it was like this gold uh, inlay that, in his guitar case. And I'd never seen anything like it, you know. Like and these, pe- so these people, they were my heroes, and uh, so you, so. You know, I'm sitting there, and I remember that six-year-old kid that just loved all of this. Right. And I put, and I put together the 50th. And I, you know, Brad Paisley and I put together that medley together, he and I. We, I went out, both guitars, both of us on guitars, and singing, singing, and I'm singing Dolly's part, and he's singing this. And, and uh, we got through with the open, and I busted out crying. I mean, I was at my producer's table just crying because if because I did it. I did it. You know, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to move to Nashville. I wanted to work in this industry. I wanted to work with these artists and be a part of this community and uh, and just be just a one just I don't know how big of a part. I just want to be a part of it. And uh and then I wanted to honor it. And so that was the moment for me. That that was that was the big moment. So and then then the other you know, there's two other moments that I go that I look back and I go, I'm so proud to have been a part of it and that was the Glenn Campbell tribute. With uh, Keith, Brad and, and Vince Gill. Vince Gill. That was that was uh, that was a big I was just honored to be a part of all that. And then the open that we did for um, the women, all the women in country music, you know. And uh, for me, the 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 moment for me was I was in I was rehearsing on stage. What this wasn't even the, the live part, but the moment for me was we were rehearsing on stage, and my assistant come to me and said, uh, "Hey, the, the 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 ladies, the women want to see you." Uh, in, in the backstage, in the dressing room. And all of them were, uh, were in there. They were rehearsing the song together, and they had a little cassette player, you know. They had a little, uh, probably not a cassette. It was probably a CD. They had something they were playing back on. So they were rehearsing it, and when I walked in the room, it was, uh, and somebody told me later, it was like, that was such, such a moment to see what transpired. They did not stop rehearsing, but each one of them got up out of their chair and came over and gave me a hug. And they're all thanking me for thank thank you for for having me. I'm like, like first of all that they would do that, but I kept saying going, You don't thank me, you just deserve to be here. This this you know, but seeing that and then when you, when I realized, well wait a minute I won the CMA award with Martina uh, Independence Day. I did uh, did 
Terry Clark's videos. I did Dolly's. I did I did Reba McIntyre videos. I did um, you know Sarah Evans' first video. Uh, Jennifer Nettles was the host of my Christmas show. You know, and so I mean the only honestly the only one that I hadn't worked with was Crystal Gale. And, and so I, I'm like going. That's what it just. That's when I realized. Oh my gosh, these women have given me the best times of my life, and uh, you know, the best moments of my life was being on set with them and shooting music videos, or Jennifer Nettles and I coming up with the open for the, for the Christmas show, and and so that was that was that year. That was my moment that I loved being a part of. By the way, your opens, your openings are always iconic, and you, and then the monologues are always great. What I think is kind of funny about award shows is that pretty much all award shows, usually the the opening is not when the most people are watching, right? It's usually correct me if I'm wrong. It's usually it's more in the middle, or or you cross the first hour, and that's when it when it picks up steam. Do you ever do you think about that as you're putting these massive openings together and going, oh my god, this isn't even the most watched section of the show? Well, you know, try to tell you know with, the, with what we're doing. Um, you know, the year that we opened with "Hold, Hold My Hand" with Darius Rucker, I just it was just right. It was just you know, and I I'd never asked Darius to ever do a hootie song ever. You know, I was not going to do that. When he first got into came in the country country format, you know, I knew he was. All the other producers were asking him to do Hootie songs on their TV shows, and I just was not going to do it. I just, uh, I just respected him too much as an artist and a musician to do that. But when on that year, with everything that had gone that had transpired, you know, I just felt like that we needed some unity. You know that people needed to come together, black and white, you know, whatever nationality you are, whether you're African-American or what, wherever, wherever you come from, that we just needed to, you know, do what that song says. And and so I always try to set the tone of, of what the night's going to be um, with the open. And I give a lot of thought to the open. Um, and so, and then here's my feeling too, is that, um, you know, my thing is like if you can if you can create a great open, it 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 takes the audience through the rest of the show. And I'm not talking about necessarily at that point the um, the television audience. I'm talking about the audience in the room. Uh, because if the audience in the room loves your open, then they're going to laugh at your jokes in the monologue. And if they laugh at your jokes in the monologue, that comes through on TV. And just the overall nature of, you know, again, the first five rows that are sitting there, um, they're going to determine whether the show is successful or not. Because if if you got great cutaways of Faith and Tim laughing about, you know, the Barbie dolls or whatever it is, that's going to transpire into the television viewing audience, and then you're going to be successful. Well, I feel like we could go on forever and probably do, you know, six podcasts on this. I mean, I guess, I guess I'll just – there's no clean way to wrap it up because there's so much we could talk about. But, but I'm just curious, any 
any moments that could have been a total disaster that you that you saved, or or maybe something that was a total disaster that at home we had no idea about? Any CMA Easter eggs that if we go back and watch, we we go, oh my god, that that's it. Look at that. <laughs> well, you know, so you know, um, knock on wood, so far we haven't had that. Uh, you know, on the CMA Awards, um, we haven't had, you know, an artist start over or might go out or, um, you know, we will. I mean, it's going to happen eventually, but that's what live TV is. Um, you know, there was a couple of times, you know, it, that people, when we had the mosh pit, there were a couple of artists that almost fell into the mosh pit. There was actually one songwriter that won the award <laughs> and he fell into yeah, I think he did fall into the mosh pit. Um, now, the Billboard Music Awards, we've had many times, several times, that artists like were like 30 seconds from coming back from commercial, and that they're they're still not on stage, you know, going getting ready to going into perform, you know. It'd be like there's been several times where I'm almost like going calling New York to put in a, another commercial because we don't know where the artist is, uh, but. We still haven't had to do that. We've, you know, we've barely, barely made it, you know. So, um, but yeah, but it'll happen. You know, it will, it will for sure. Something will happen someday. That's for sure. Well, this has been such a thrill. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's always great talking with you. Actually, I'm, I'm also curious. As we're all stuck inside, you're, I mean, you're like, you're the music guy, you're the movie guy, you're the TV guy. Any content you're consuming right now that, that you think everyone else should check out? Um, well, I thought that Waco was incredible. Uh, it, uh, I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. It's on that, my list. I, I have to get to it. That that was pretty amazing. The acting in that was was quite incredible. It's Julia um, Garner, told, isn't it right? Yeah, yeah, that's been that was that 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 was really really good. And then um you know, I've enjoyed watching um some of these like I've enjoyed watching Keith, you know, with what he comes up with. Keith Urban, I just I thought that he's just again this kid is just the best. I mean, he's just so awesome. And so I've been I've enjoyed seeing what some of these artists are doing as far as what, you know, how they're incorporating their time and, and I know there's some other things on that I mean you know what I've watched just about everything on Netflix it seems like there is to watch so um, now I've now I've gone back into the old stuff like I watched some Alfred Hitchcock movies over the weekend oh wow yeah I watched uh, North by Northwest yesterday so <laughs> so that was fun but uh, yeah but no it's uh, hopefully everybody will stay safe and hopefully we'll all get past get past you know, get past this, and we can all um, see live music again soon. Absolutely. And is is there anything else? I mean, the CMAs you've got going on. Is there anything else that you're trying to accomplish? You're you know you're you're now managing a band. I know from talking with you that you've always wanted to produce some version of West Side Story. Is there is there anything oh. else coming up that 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 you want to that you want to check off? Yeah, no, it hurts my heart that Steven Spielberg is doing West Side Story. Ah. That's for sure. So, um, I, but um, yeah, you know, I got a musical that I'm working on. Um, I'd love to 
to, and I've been working, especially during this downtime, I've been working on that. And then uh, the other thing that uh, we're doing is uh, I got a, uh, I have a series that I'm getting ready to pitch uh, that is set in the country music world, actually, um, that I'm, that I'm, the script is done, the pilot script is done. And so hopefully, um, you know, we can all get, get through with all of this and, and uh and I can be out pitching that soon. But those uh the scripted world is what I'm kinda you know um you know what, because here's the thing, I'm so like I w I'm exactly where I wanna be in the music world. You know? I love my two shows. I mean I I mean my two big I love the CMA Awards and I love doing the Christmas show and the festival and then I and then I and then once a year I get to go over on the pop side and do the Billboard Music Awards. So I love that and I'm not looking do any more other than that I, I what i'm looking to do is different something different and that's uh so, so that's something in the scripted world so that's what i'm working on at this point are you are you writing the musical or you're helping produce it i am actually uh writing it and i got someone else doing the music uh and then the um the, the other scripted the, the, the drama that i'm working is uh i wrote the treatment on it and uh and and I got a writer to write it. So, yeah, I'm involved in the whole script part of it as well. So, um, yeah, just, you know what? Again, just trying to evolve and just figure out what's next. Don't sit still. Don't sit still. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much. I mean, I whenever I think about you from, you know, the various times we connect and, you know, grab lunch or whatever it is, I always leave that lunch thinking, my God, I mean, that guy is Nashville. Like, there are certain people that you just can't picture the town without, and they're just so involved, so integrated. And, you know, thank you. We, I, I know even in times like this, I'm, I can't imagine how busy you keep your schedule. So thank you for taking the time, and, and hope we get the chance to do it again soon. Great. You're so kind to say so. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's been great today. Drive safe and and hope hope to see you whenever we get out of here. Okay, sounds good. See you later. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in and thanks again to Robert for taking the time to talk. It was such a thrill and I hope we get the chance to do it again soon. Next week we have an incredibly historical interview with Del Bryant, the son of Budlow and Felice Bryant who are the first professional songwriters in Nashville. I, I swear, you can't make this up. Together, they sold over half a billion records and wrote songs for artists like the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Lil Jimmy Dickens, Emmylou Harris, and so many more. I learned so much from this interview, I can't wait for you guys to hear. The Zach Kuhn Show is mixed by Sam Heyman, and our theme music is by Justin Johnson. If you want more content from us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at NashvilleBriefing.com. And you can also follow us on socials, everything at Nashville Briefing. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye.